Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Back at it again. How are we doing, my people? We had a lot of news coming out of the owners' meetings. The NFL owners uh, love getting together at some four seasons all across the country. It feels like about every month to uh, just create some headlines, pass some rules, keep their uh, keep the league in the in the headlines, and keep people like me talking about them. So, a lot going on coming today from Super Bowls to drafts. To Thursday night football flexing third quarterback activity. We will discuss it all. As well as fellow podcaster, Big Ben Roethlisberger had some comments that, you know, quite interesting. Uh, We will dive into as well. And I will also do a mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. And that's where you get in the mailbag. You just fire in the DMs and get your question answered on the mailbag. Very, very easy to do. Fire in those DMs, at John Middlecoff, just my name, do it, very easy to do. Podcast on YouTube, uh, I got a backwards hat on today, so uh, all those people are like, Middlecoff, I don't understand how Coward allows you to do that. Like I said, bald people, we follow different rules, uh, you can hear us live on AMP, always. Had a podcast yesterday, if you're into golf and you missed it, reaction to uh, Michael Block and Kepka and everything that happened at the PGA Championship. And yeah, thevolume.com, check out the merch. Got a go low hat, go check that out. Let's keep rocking and rolling. But if you want to lock in your NFL tickets, and I've gotten some DMs of people that have done that, you know why? Because they've used the official ticketing app of this podcast. It's Game Time. So download the Game Time app. Just go to your app store, download Game Time, and type in the promo code JOHN when you buy your first pair of tickets. NFL games, Major League Baseball games. You want to go to the NBA Finals? Heat versus the Nuggets? You you live in Denver? You want a little to watch your team win a championship? Because they're going to win the championship. Download. Game time. Promo code John. $20 off any pair of tickets. I don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. I appreciate everyone that has comedies, concerts, you name it. They got you covered. Just search the app. Promo code John. Okay, the NFL held their owners meeting for the 17th time this year. <laughs> it feels like the owners meet like every three weeks. It's like, oh, where do you want to go? Just pick a city, uh, rent out the four seasons, and let's just be super rich guys screwing around. That's what it feels like. I mean, these owners meetings are just, they're relentless with these things. feels like just a, the ultra rich hangout. Probably a pretty fun thing to go to. Uh, but they're having another set of meetings currently. I'm recording this on Monday afternoon. And a bunch of things have just happened. I mean, pretty, some breaking news. 
future Super Bowls, the future of the NFL draft, where it's going to go. We will dive into all of it. Quarterback rule change. But I think the most eye-opening thing is this Thursday night story. They can now flex Thursday night football, week 13 to 17. So that includes week 13 is Seattle at Dallas, 14, New England at Pittsburgh, 15, Chargers at Vegas, 16, Saints at Rams, and 17, Jets at Cleveland are now flexible. Now, this rule does include you can't flex the week before. You have to give a 28-day notice. It passed 24 to 8. To get anything done in the NFL, you need 24 plus votes. Clearly, they got it right on the number. Now, a ton of owners have been outspoken. I give them a lot of credit. John Mara hated this from the beginning. He had no hesitation going public with not just his reservations, but his anger. And I think he was quoted today saying, not shocked at all. Mark Davis, another guy, very, very outspoken about this. Uh, thought it was very anti-fan. And listen, having been someone who's worked around Mark Davis, it's weird because he did move his team. He tried to move to like multiple different cities. He does care about fans. He's actually, of all the owners, the closest in relation to the fans. <laughs> so these owners clearly, I- I've been saying for a long time, and this isn't like you, you don't need me to say it. It's basic economics. If you're listening to this and you are a season ticket holder, You are important to said team, and you help generate them revenue. But on the hierarchy, me and everyone else listening that does not attend many NFL games and watches them all on television, we are way more valuable to their business than you are as a season ticket holder. And honestly, the gap is only widening. Why? Because the NFL makes all of all the majority of their money from television slash now streaming. So taking care, when I hear like just taking care of their broadcast partners, that is the majority of their revenue. So the reason when you see that headline, like, oh, they're just taking care of their broadcast partners, that'd be like you if you work for a Mercedes-Benz dealership going, they're just taking care of Mercedes. Well, yeah, that's where the money comes from. That is and only going to continue to be the most important thing when it comes to the bottom line. And here's the other element to this. NFL teams... Their desires that are usually led by, you know, the coach or the GM and the desires of the owners and the, you know, front office of the league office are not aligned, right? Owners and the league office, their number one goal is not winning. It's to make money and to generate more and more money and have it keep increasing. If I'm a general manager or a coach, my goal is to improve my football team and win games and winning games And ideas when it comes to money don't always align. Clearly, this is not aligned with the health of football teams because we already saw it happen this year. There are several teams that are playing multiple short week games like that. That makes no sense. But the league told you they don't care. I've said forever. I don't care what your industry is, what you are as a human being. If you tweet or Facebook post or as a company put out statements that say one thing and then live or operate the complete opposite way. Like, I don't believe anything that you put out. It's all fluff. And the NFL has said for a long period of time, safety, safety, safety first. And they've added some rule changes, right? Rightfully so. Hits over the middle, protecting the quarterback, which can suck if you're gambling on a game and you just get the worst 
you know, roughing the passer you've ever seen or some hit that looked pretty legal and very just like a normal form tackle and the guy gets flagged with hitting a defenseless receiver. I've still never understood that. No one on the football field is defenseless when they are running around like they know the defenders are out there. But the reason they did that was because they got sued, not because they actually care. So when they keep saying that, they actually don't care. They care about their bottom line, which is making money. And they continue to do it at a pretty high rate. So when I see this Thursday night football got flexed, it was clear when these owners like John Mara were talking down upon it, the last owners meetings at some four seasons in Arizona, that it was inevitable. Like this is where it was going to go. This is not politics where a bunch of buffoons are running things. These are super rich, super wealthy, and the most successful people in this country. Well, some of them inherited it, but others like the Waltons, the Joneses. I mean, these people are very, very teppers, important to the landscape of their said industry, separate from the sport of football. So when something goes to a vote, it's pretty clear that they know it's going to pass. Something is going to get done. And so when this story came out a month ago that this was on the table, you're like, yeah, this is going down. Is this going to hurt football? Is this the beginning of the end? I don't know. I've said forever, football is not going to stay on top forever. We've seen the ebb and flows. Now, I don't know if, I don't think baseball or basketball is going to pass them, but their dominance, their, them having the market cornered on our attention is, I don't want to say short-lived, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Now, is that in 30 years, in 20 years, in five years, in 100 years? I don't know. But you continue to do stuff strictly for financial reasons. When you're already making a ton, the league's having a lot of success, and you hurt the product, because that's ultimately what this could do. It could hurt the product if you're forcing teams to play more Thursday night games. And it's just going to be fascinating to watch, because Thursday night football can already be very hit or miss. But part of the reason clearly flexing it is to get better teams involved. Now, the Cowboys are not getting flexed out, no matter what. Brand's too big. The Steelers are not getting flexed out. Also, brand's too big. Vegas at the Chargers, I would say if Jimmy Garoppolo and Herbert are playing, that's got a pretty good chance to stick. This game's got a very, very good chance to be moved. The Saints playing the Rams. I mean, the Rams could be really terrible, and who knows? I mean, you're banking on Derek Carr and Dennis Allen. Now, it's also based on, well, what would you flex it for? Right, Sunday night's not giving up their game. Monday night clearly is not giving up their game. Fox and CBS have rights to their games. So it'll be very fascinating and interesting how this whole thing plays out. Okay, some other information to come out of the league meetings. The third quarterback, a.k.a. the Brock Purdy rule. And I think this relates to the flexing of Thursday night games because it's a reflection of television. Television, television, television. What happened last year in the NFC Championship game? Does it actually matter that it was Brock Purdy that got injured or Josh Johnson? The league doesn't actually care about those individuals. It was that the game was ruined, right? If that event had not happened and Brock Purdy had just been healthy and the Eagles had won in a walk-off field goal or the 49ers had beaten the Eagles by seven and it was just a normal NFC Championship game that was not disrupted and basically unwatchable for non-Eagles fans just in terms of, it was just a bad game. I mean, the Niners couldn't throw. The game was, the second half sucked. Just from an entertainment standpoint. I'm not, that's not my pro-Niners side saying that. I'm just saying that I would have been cool if the Eagles win by 10 as long as the game was competitive, and that wasn't. 
Well, a non-competitive game in an NFC Championship game is a television disaster. That is the reason they changed that. So now teams will have the opportunity to have a third quarterback active for game day. And I would imagine most teams will do that. But here's the thing. Some teams last year had three quarterbacks make the team after training camp. The 49ers were one of them. Brock Purdy made the 53-man roster. But in week one, before Trey Lance, he was healthy, Trey Lance was a starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo was the backup, and Brock Purdy was just an inactive in sweats holding a clipboard, right? The same example goes for the Miami Dolphins. Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Teddy Bridgewater, and Skylar Thompson, who, like Purdy, was a late seventh-round pick, made the team. So some teams before this rule had guys they didn't want to cut because they thought would be claimed they kept on their 53-man roster, even though both of those teams never intended to play the two guys. Ironically, Skyler started a playoff game, and obviously Purdy started a bunch of games at the end of the season. Now that individual will be able to be active for game day, assuming all the other guys are healthy. Now, where I think the wrinkle comes in, and this is what I think it really affects. I think there are two you know, ripple effects for this rule. Is one, I think teams are going to be more inclined now to draft a fourth, fifth, sixth round quarterback. Not that they weren't before, like if they liked the player, but I think if all else is equal, right? Some teams like, we don't really have a quarterback need. We got two guys we like, so let's take an offensive lineman. Now, if you like a quarterback, if you like Jake Hayner in the fourth, you go, we could use an offensive lineman, but let's just lean the quarterback because you will take a guy that you think can inevitably be your backup quarterback and just keep on your 53-man roster. And then when you have those individuals, you know, that before you might have had a Skylar Thompson or a Brock Purdy where you went, you know, I can cut this guy on September 1st or whenever the date is that you cut down the, it goes, what, 90 to, is it 75 or 70 to 53? When you have the big cut down before, you know, essentially week one, that you are going to be more inclined to hold on to a quarterback that you go, you know, this guy might get claimed. Not because we think he's a starting quarterback immediately, just because some team might go, yeah, I view him as my third quarterback. So it changes the, you know, the kind of the putting the puzzle together for your roster. It just impacts a little bit. Now, you're not going to keep a guy on your 53-man roster just to say you have a third quarterback if the guy can't play over some defensive lineman or offensive lineman. So guys that get cut because they're viewed as like, this guy's probably more off, more likely than not right now to be a practice squad guy, that will still happen. But the guys that are much closer to the line or that like earn their spot and go, you know what, we're going to keep three quarterbacks, I think that is more, uh, more likely to happen more now. I, I think you'll see a ton of teams with three quarterbacks, but there's still going to be teams that carry two quarterbacks heading into week one on their 53-man roster and have the third quarterback you know, on the practice squad. But I do believe that, you know, this is going to extend some careers, just have got random players to be able to play a couple years longer, make a couple more million dollars. I also think this brings more into play some of these random leagues. You know, I've seen some headlines o- over the last several weeks of players, you know, from the UFL or uh, the XFL or shit, I can't even keep up. I actually saw, I was at the gym the other day and there was a game, the TV was on mute. I think it was the XFL. It could have been the USFL. I, whatever. One of those leaks. You know, if I'm a general manager, my scouting department 
we got to really lock in on those quarterbacks. Like, is there a guy that could potentially be our third guy? Because if it is, like, let's bring him in for training camp. Before we dive into what's next, do you know that Angie's list is now Angie, your home for everything home? And as someone who is currently house shopping and who has bought property before, you walk in, you go, well, I need to fix the kitchen. I need to want to improve this bathroom. I want to fix some stuff in the backyard. And then you go, well, I don't do this for a living. Where do I even start? Who do I even contact? That's where Angie has 20 years of experience combined with new tools to simplify the process. Over 220,000 pros in their network. They can help you get the best price for your product. They have new projects that are priced upfront and clearly lays out the cost before you buy. With Angie, you can request quotes from multiple pros in your area. The pros in your network are locally based. In just a few taps in the Angie app or click on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project from start to finish. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know, the NFL, we gave them a lot of credit for Kansas City, for Chicago, for Philly, all these cities. The NFL draft now is an event. And it's an easy way for the league to give cities that are not going to host Super Bowls kind of a big event. And I saw a lot of people on the interwebs talking shit like, why would you give the NFL draft to Green Bay? Why not? Who cares? <laughs> it's just an easy one. It's throwing them bone. You're not going to have the Super Bowl February 10th at Lambeau Field. It's like an Arctic winter. Like you're, you're never going to do that. It was hard for them to do that with in New York. But one of the rules is you get a new stadium done, you kind of get the Super Bowl. That's why Minnesota got the Super Bowl. But for the most part, there is a rotation of warm weather cities getting the Super Bowl. If you told me that the Super Bowl, the market was cornered on Scottsdale, Vegas, Miami, and New Orleans, I'd be good. Like I don't think you have to go to all these places, though I understand it. When it comes to the draft, all the cold weather, weather cities should get it. It's fun. It's easy. Now, I can't, I've can't. i never been to Green Bay. Even in my scouting days, I never went there. Logistically, it's probably not as easy to operate as a Chicago, Philly, or Kansas City in terms of people. But I would guess that less people are going to go to the draft in Green Bay than, let's say, Chicago or Philadelphia. I still think it will be successful. I, it's just part of being in business, regardless of the scope, is whoever you're partners with, whoever is involved, Like you got to take care of everybody. Like the Green Bay Packers have helped make the league a shit ton of money over the last 30 years. They've been on Fox and they have been one of the premium brands and one of been one of the most successful franchises. So you're not going to give them a Super Bowl, which makes sense. You're, you're not going to have Lambo. It's just too cold. Uh, and it's not set up for a Super Bowl city. But the draft, like, is it that big a deal? Like I saw all these people complaining online. Like, ultimately, who cares? I was living in the Bay Area when San Francisco got the 2016 Super Bowl. Denver versus Carolina. I participated that week in Radio Row. 
and I went to the Super Bowl. And it was awesome. I put a couple G's on the Denver Broncos, Von Miller Super Bowl MVP. Uh, I, I got pretty drunk. I cheered on the Broncos, and it was it was very, very enjoyable. I, I won some money. It was awesome. Uh, but San Francisco was a lot different place six, seven years ago. And I, I haven't been in New York in the last four or five years, but I listen to a lot of financial podcasts of people based there. Everyone says that obviously a lot like San Francisco in 2020, it shut down. They're completely rocking and rolling now. San Francisco, of all the major cities, has responded the worst to coming back from all the shutdowns because in terms of workplace, people have not returned to work. It's almost a 40% unoccupancy rate of commercial real estate in downtown San Francisco. And when I lived there and when I used to go out in San Francisco in the 2010s, the place was packed. You know, Giants games, all the tech companies, everyone, it was hard to get in the city because there was so much traffic. City was booming. Now, this had a homeless problem, a drug problem. It's very pro-criminal. But now the city is empty. Beside, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of crime. There's just not many laws that have to be followed. And the city is kind of the all-in podcast, you know, for successful venture capitalists, multiple that live in the city, call it Gotham City, because it's kind of a fucked up place right now. So ultimately, historically, it's one of the great cities in America. Right now, it's going through some shit. And there's not really a light at the end of the tunnel because people ain't coming back to work. Like It's just there. In every All these other cities, rocking and rolling, people coming back, at least partial. People just are not showing up. Cities in shambles. And I understand. I, I like the people that run the 49ers, obviously. I, I understand them wanting a Super Bowl. Their operation is actually 45 minutes south of the city. But all the events for the Super Bowl are held in San Francisco. Was announced today that San Francisco will get the Super Bowl in 2026. Two years ago, when the Super Bowl was in uh, in Los Angeles, I went down for like 24 hours because I went to the volumes party. And wherever I stayed, I got an Uber to uh, to the to the house that Coward you know had rented out to throw the party. And I was going on the Uber. I was talking to the guy, and he's like, "You know what's crazy is clearly the NFL has cleaned up a lot of certain areas around here. The homelessness, which in California is a major problem, and it's only getting worse." He's like, "They clearly moved some people around because this area—I I don't know LA that well in terms of like what it had looked like recently." He's like, "They cleared this out. They cleared that out." And I was like, "Damn." And so for the for the league to go to San Francisco, which in theory should, you know, not a crazy place to host some Super Bowls. I think right now it's they're going to have to do some serious cleaning up. Like it's not really the safest place to operate in downtown San Francisco is not really what it was held just seven, eight years ago when they hosted the Super Bowl. So it's going to be very, very fascinating how the league handles this. Uh, still got some time, obviously it's 2023. So we're three years away, but there ain't going to be major changes in that city. I promise you that. Um, yeah. So who, I guess for the 49ers getting another, uh, Super Bowl, but I I think it's going to be a little bit, it, it was logistically a challenge just because everything was so spread out. The game was 45 minutes away from where all the festivities are. I think they're going to have some other uphill battles when it comes to that week, just given the current state of the city. Last but not least, I got this one just kind of red flagged would be the wrong way to put it, but just I'm keeping an eye on this one. 
Tom Brady now owns a piece of the Las Vegas Raiders. Mark Davis, I think, said at the owners' meetings, he was very excited. Tom, who's already uh, you know, had a little piece of the Vegas Aces, the defending WNBA champions. Never forget, Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, is a champion. He knows what champions look like, the Las Vegas Aces. Even though they had to suspend their coach, Becky Hammond, for treating pregnant women not very nicely, and Mark Davis panned some players under the table and bypassing the salary cap in the WNBA. But he is a champion. They hosted whatever the hell you call that trophy in the WNBA. He has added Tom Brady, another champion, to his operation. I do think the league wouldn't mind having Tom Brady involved in that kind of area. The problem is going to be Tom's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. To buy an NFL team, even if he was <clears throat> had people with him, he would need a lot of money. Right, five hundred million in cash is not getting it done. Look at some of these recent sales for the Broncos and the Commanders. I do wonder though, the league like he's not in there just randomly. Even though he's the best player, it has some parallels, at least to me, of when the league got Michael Jordan involved. Now, clearly, that went bad, and Michael Jordan now is, I think, selling his stake and is not even going to own the Hornets or Bobcats or whatever the hell they're called. But I, I do think Tom Brady owning an NFL team one day, or at least being, you know, own 25%. I think I read today just to own a couple percent would cost him 60, 70 million dollars. So the price of entry is a lot for a little tiny piece that when you're a minority owner in the NFL, Tom Brady has zero say in Josh McDaniels, in players. Now that doesn't mean Mark wouldn't rely on him. You know, bring him to games, listen to him, ask for his advice. Clearly, his relationship with Josh McDaniels, Ziegler, there's already some carryover and uh, commonality there. Obviously, those guys' friendships and New England ties. But keep an eye on that one because I think one day Tom could continue to take a bigger role. Let's face it, Mark, Mark Davis, the Davis family is not long for the NFL. Uh, one day that will be in different hands. I promise you that. Like the Jones family, not going away. The Lurie family, the Mara family, like there are some families, the Hunt family, that going nowhere. That's one that's like, yeah, that, that ain't going to be forever. So uh, Tom Brady one day, does he have the funds? I don't know. Uh, clearly, he doesn't have billions of dollars, uh, especially with FTX going under, but something to keep an eye on. You know, the one thing with Michael Jordan, I remember always reading or hearing people talk on podcasts how he didn't actually have the cash to buy an NBA team. And then when you watch Air, and I love movies these days, like I just think like they're going theaters and won't be out for, I was going to say DVDs, but who even owns DVDs? But just to watch, you know, on our televisions for a long time, it felt like Air was in theaters and then boom, it's on Amazon Prime. I love that. Say what you want about streaming. I love how fast it is to me. Movie theaters, they're dead. I'm sorry. They're just, their shelf life. You talk about something that's holding on for dear life. I turn on, you know, Amazon Prime a week after, you know, the opening of air and boom, it's right there. I watched it in my bed on Saturday night. Fantastic. And Michael Jordan had to sign one of the great business deals in the history of athletes to get a percentage of his shoe in 1984 changed the landscape of everything. And clearly financially, it's still doing billions of dollars in revenue. It said at the end of the movie that it's it's reported or or potentially uh, the number is around $400 million to Michael every single year. 
Uh, so, so Michael did pretty well, you know, getting some equity in that shoe. Air Jordan, that movie, Shoe Dog is one of the best books that I've ever listened to. And the, the movie's fantastic with Aflac and, and Matt Damon. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really good. If you like, you know, it's just, I, I'd recommend it. Watch it. Easy watch. <laughs> Another football story I saw today that just made me shake my head. I've always been a Roethlisberger guy as a player. I thought in his heyday, he's, you know, one of the most unique players we've ever seen, right? Because he could move. He wasn't quite as fast, but in terms of power and keeping plays alive, he had like this Cam Newton ability, but then he could throw it like he was fucking Brady. And in the peak of his powers, he was just an unstoppable force playing for just one of the sweet brands and iconic operations in sports. He was sweet. I, I loved Roethlisberger, those Steeler teams. Like, they're everything I liked about football. And then I saw today after he retired because he couldn't play anymore, which happens when you're 38, 39, 40 years old in sports. He retires. I mean, last year, he could barely throw the football. You know, it was it was worse than Drew Brees a couple years ago. It was much closer to Peyton Manning his last year for Denver Broncos. It was clear he could not play football anymore. Like, we could make arguments that last year, Phillip Rivers for the Indianapolis Colts, like, he had another year in him, right? Roethlisberger did not. He could not continue to be a starting quarterback. So he retired. Now, ideally, did he want to retire? Most athletes probably don't want to retire. But he could see the writing on the wall. His agent starts sniffing around. No one else was going to sign him. It was over. That happens. That's part of the business of being a pro athlete. It ends. It literally ends for everybody. Right, No one gets to like, yeah, I'm still playing football. I'm 67 years old. That's not the way it works. Where a lot of times, and specifically in football, you get cut, right? Peyton Manning was cut or traded. Joe Montana was traded. Tom Brady was essentially told by Belichick, you're not wanted here anymore. Those are like three of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Joe Montana traded. Brady told, get out. Peyton Manning, you're cut. Roethlisberger, none of those happened to him. It was like, bro, it's over. Ben's like, I know it's over. So when Kenny Pickett was drafted, I don't view Kenny Pickett replacing Roethlisberger. They just needed a quarterback to be a starting quarterback because their starting quarterback retired. When Andrew Luck was drafted by the Colts, they replaced Peyton Manning with Andrew Luck. They replaced Steve Young for Joe, when they traded Joe Montana, right? And Roethlisberger said on his podcast, I, I didn't know he was a fellow podcaster, but glad to have him in the biz. I'll be honest, I'm going to get blasted for this, but early on, I didn't want you to succeed, talking about Kenny Pickett. That's selfish of me, and I feel sorry for that. So I'll give Roethlisberger credit for this. He's saying something that is just kind of insane, given that Kenny Pickett didn't show up, and then they cut Roethlisberger or traded Roethlisberger. He retired. They drafted a quarterback. Roethlisberger while being honest and candid and telling his true feelings, which is all we want out of any human being in any anyone that's talking for a living. But what he says to me is really stupid. Like, Ben, why would you... I, I just... I, I can't quite fathom that one. Can't grasp that one. Doesn't make any sense to me. Very, very poor reflection. As Roethlisberger knows, saying, listen... Probably shouldn't be this honest. No, I'm going to get blasted for it. You should get blasted for it. I would completely understand. If you get dumped by a girl, 
and then she starts dating some other guy. You're probably going to root for that relationship to fail. If you get fired, I have, and replaced on radio by someone, you're going to you're going to root for that radio show to fail. It did. Right? I, I completely understand. But if I turn in my two weeks and say, hey, I'm leaving, or I dump you, if I'm bitter and rooting against you after I go on and do whatever I'm doing because I chose that, that's a poor reflection of me. And it kind of shows your true colors. And listen, we all have a pettiness to us. We all have parts of us that, you know, are not perfect, right? But that one to me reflects a little bit of the Big Ben experience. Kind of all about him, right? Kind of just like it was always about Big Ben, always had to be on his terms. And again, I'm a fan. I rooted for him. I really enjoyed watching him. I thought that one's a pretty tough look. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, mailbag. Add John Middlecoff, Instagram, fire in those DMs. Easy to do, fire in them, DMs wide open. Question on the show. Let's start with Ricky. Hey, John, I got a question. In some of your most recent podcasts, you have talked about the NFL and their relationship with Amazon and the other streaming services and how they want to make as much money as possible. Why doesn't the NFL make it easier for consumers and make their own streaming platform or their own like where we as consumers can pay a certain amount for all the games on Sunday, Monday, and Thursday? Curious as to why they can't make it easier for us, but still generate a bunch of revenue. Basically, why can't they put all the games on one service and we just pay directly to the NFL? That might be inevitable, but I would say this. If you can have someone pay you to do work that you don't want to do, right? The NFL doesn't want to set up cameras, create the production, hire people to call the games. That's on CBS, Fox, NBC, Amazon Prime. They do all that work and they pay the league. So the league, all they have to worry about is the games, which are going to happen no matter what. And the more people you have involved in the payment for all those games, 
the more the money goes up. Because right now, for example, think of the company with the most money, right? Amazon. Well, in 2023, Amazon is not going to pay basically what the league gets from every single Fox, CBS, and whatever that number is on a yearly basis. Amazon's not going to pay that number and host all the games, right? They, they've got to figure out how to make it work first. They're, they're doing that. Same with, you know, all the streaming services, Netflix, whoever it might be, Apple. But eventually, one day, could Apple, like YouTube TV, bought the NFL Sunday ticket, which I've read is actually much more niche than you thought. If you said NFL Sunday ticket, how many people get it? You'd be like, oh, 15 million people. I think the number's really small. I don't want to say it off the top of my head because I feel I'll be off. But I thought it was like one and a half million people. So it's not nearly as big as I assumed it was. But I think it's just simply no one's willing to pay them what they get from all these people combined. And given what all these people pay them combined is such a large number, you might as well just keep going like they're going. And the other reality is this is some big companies. Like what made Amazon such a behemoth? Customer first, customer first, customer first. For a long period of time, like they weren't even making money on the website, right? They'd have free returns. It was just to get your loyalty as a consumer. And now what do we all do? I do not know a soul that doesn't use Amazon. If you're not using it, unless you're out in some area that doesn't get it, you're you're wasting energy going to the store to buy shit because you can just order it. And then if you ever don't want something, you can just return it for free, which I also read might change uh, someday, like it might not be free returns forever, which would make sense because I, I send a lot of stuff back, but, uh, I, I think it's just that simple. They're getting so much money from so many people and it just doesn't pencil and no one can afford to give them what they would need to give them to get all the games. Okay. Nick, I just finished my first year of law school at Marquette and I'm in the process of pursuing a certificate in sports law program here. Congratulations. Smart guy, Nick. One day, my dream job is to work in the NFL, in the front office. In the past few years, I got really into scouting and the draft side of football. Following guys like Brugler, Brett Coleman. As a former NFL scout, do you have any advice on getting a foot in the door? What were some of the first steps you took to familiarize yourself with breaking down film and learning logistical X's and O's? I'm still learning the lay of the land as it pertains to football space, so any advice you would lend is helpful. I'm clerking at a firm up in Milwaukee this summer, but I have friends and family in Indy. I frequently visit, so I've been bringing out three and out on road trips. Appreciate you. I would say that I learned through people teaching me. And I actually talked to a guy that listened to the podcast that has similar aspirations to you uh, earlier today. And he's working in football right now, and he's in college, and he's trying to get his foot in the door. And my advice always is, and again, this is just what works for me. Certain things work for other people. It's very, very difficult just to get your foot in the door in the NFL. I didn't know anyone in the NFL until I worked in college football. I had never met a coach in the NFL. I had never met a scout in the NFL. And I wouldn't have had any access to NFL people if it was not for Fresno State. And I would not have worked for the Eagles if Pat Hill did not pick up the phone and call his buddy Andy Reid that he had known for 25 years and say that you should give this guy an interview. 
right? And the reason that I told him to do that was because Anthony Patch, who still works for the Eagles, said you should have, like, we have a spot. If you have Coach Hill call, you know, Coach Reed, it will go a long way. And it did. So I was like, I didn't just randomly fall into place. But I did that because I worked in college football for two years. And the difference is, when I worked in college football in 2008 and 2009, no program, including Alabama, maybe just started to have like GMs and personnel people. Like I worked, I was a GA for the head of football administration, who also was essentially the head of recruiting. And we broke down film. And Coach Hill loved recruiting, so I watched a lot of recruiting film with him and the other coaches. And then you just learn, you know, through the guys on your own team that end up making the NFL, the guys that you play that end up making the NFL, kind of what it looks like. I, I didn't learn it through a book. I, I, I learned it through other people. And then when I got to the NFL, I learned it through, you know, being around guys like Lewis and Veach and Howie. You're just around personnel people and you just pick up on things. So I, that, that, I learn by doing. I, I don't learn probably why I was a bad student. I'm not a big like read a book and then put it into practice. Right, I fail by doing, I learn by doing, I succeed by doing. I have to do it and be around people that are doing it and see how it's done and then do it myself. So I would recommend to anyone, because it's very, very difficult. Maybe it's different if you're a lawyer. You know, you can talk to the guy that runs you know, the contracts. Maybe you have better access to that. But getting a hold of a GM or an assistant GM, if, if you don't know them and don't work in football, is very hard. Now, you can hit LinkedIn and do that, but it's very difficult to get someone to call you back or email you back. It, it just is. You, usually, in, in this type of business, you got to know someone that can get you an introduction. And I, I, I don't... For me, it was just college football. <clears throat> now, you're already working, you know, in... Right? You're getting your law degree, which, congratulations, sound like a very smart guy. Um Maybe you can use that to your benefit to talk to maybe a contract negotiator or a team president. I would say in your shoes, a team president, given that you're getting your law degree, is an easier guy to get to get an email back. So like if you're at, where are you at? Uh, Marquette. You know, if you can get the dude that runs the Packers or the dude that runs the Bears, right? Maybe you have, shoot them an email on LinkedIn. And maybe because of a law background and don't attack it football wise. Don't go, I want to be a scout. Just say, hey, I want to work in the front office. I will do whatever it takes. Like the way Howie Roseman got his foot in the door was like, I'll do whatever I have to do. Contracts, you name it. Now he, And like you, he had his law degree. And then over time, he just got more involved, more involved, more involved. Was do do whatever it takes or writing up teams, right? As he's doing contracts and then becomes a GM. There are a lot of different ways to move up once you're in. The hardest part is getting in. From Joseph, I don't get it. Justin Fields is every bit the athlete as Anthony Richardson. Justin is an inch shorter and 10 pounds lighter, but just as fast and just as athletic. His arm might be just as strong, but it's plenty strong and he throws an incredible deep ball. Justin had much more productive career at Ohio State. He was certainly more accurate. So why is Richardson being treated like he rose on the third day and Fields was the fourth quarterback taken in the draft? It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, I'll say this. I never understood why Justin Fields wasn't the second quarterback in that draft. 
to me, for him not to go to the Jets at number two was insane. Now, I do think there are a lot of parallels. Blue chip athletes, great runners. Like you said, Fields was much more productive in college. Fields also played at Georgia and Ohio State, right? Pretty well run, uh, just well oiled machines right now. I would say Florida, you know, kind of has some issues. And this is in scouting where, you know, like, is Mac Jones a great player? Was too awesome? Or are they just throwing it to four star players? Is CJ Stroud a stud? I don't know. We're about to find out. But he was throwing to receivers a lot like Tua and Mac Jones that are way better than every team they ever played in college. And against corners that cannot cover any of those guys because they're a bunch of first round players. Marvin Harrison's going to go like fifth overall. And Jigba went 20th. He didn't even play. Right? All the guys that played at Alabama were unstoppable. So I, I do think that when you're judging these quarterbacks coming out, it's not just about production and it's, it's how it translates. I think a lot, he has a lot of parallels like Fields is if you can mold this, the ceiling is really high. Now let's face it, through a couple years, the questions on Fields, and I was a huge proponent. I thought the Niners should have drafted him over Trey Lance. But I do think there are some question marks with him as a thrower. Obviously, there are question marks with Trey, too. So I would rather just have Justin Fields, but because at least he can run. Uh, but I hear you. I think most years, you know, Justin Fields goes higher than he did. I, I think it's still kind of crazy that he fell where he fell. And when I say fell, you know, it, the guy, sometimes we talk about, like, how'd this guy fall? It's like, bro, you went 33rd in the draft. <laughs> I mean, this is pretty high, right? You play wide receiver. There are offensive linemen. There are other positions. Uh, at quarterback, you know, you should go r- much higher when you're a blue-chip prospect, which I thought he was, but some people didn't agree with me. Hey, John, love listening since my internship in 2019. Somehow old and in my mind, now somehow old and in my mind to the late 20s. You're the best at dissecting the intersection of business and sports. But that's neither here nor there. Here are my top three next cities to move to after Chicago. In no order. Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater. Austin, Texas. Scottsdale, Phoenix, Arizona. Thoughts on which route is best to go, especially with someone who values good games to attend in their city of choice. Well, I would say this for Scottsdale, Arizona. If you're coming for the sports, doesn't really have it here. Diamondbacks stink. Sun should be pretty good. The cards are going to be awful. Though, you can watch other NFL teams, but they're going to be pretty bad. I would not call this, like, when I lived in the Bay Area, it it has a very similar feel like when I lived in Philly. Like, everywhere you go, it's about the Giants, the 49ers, and the Warriors. Pro sports are very meaningful there. Just like Chicago. Win, lose, or draw, like, the Bears, the Bulls, the Blackhawks, the Cubs. That shit's important. In Philly, all the teams. Obviously, when you're winning, it matters more. But you know what I mean. There, there's a sense of community there. It's not really like that here <laughs> at all, which is cool. Like, to me, it's kind of... Honestly, this has more of an L.A. meets Vegas type feel of just people from all over. A lot of sports fans, but they're rooting for their team. You know, like me, I'm watching the Niner game, right? I'm watching the Warriors. Some guy you might meet watching the big Knicks fan. I've met so many people that are like, I'm a big Vikings fan. I'm a big Yankees fan. L.A. kind of has that. 
Vegas kind of has that. In the Bay, like it was like, you're watching the Niners. You're watching the Giants. So that's not here. Austin, Texas, the college, I've never been there, have a buddy that lives there. You know, Texas is king. You just kind of gravitate toward, go to UT football games. That would be cool. My one time there, I didn't love it, though I was only there for a couple days. Uh, I would probably prefer Dallas over Austin, but again, that's just me. Tampa, St. Pete's, Clearwater. Never been to St. Pete's or Clearwater. Been to Tampa one time. Didn't hate it. Didn't hate it. Um, One thing Texas and Tampa and that area has, you know, better taxes. I would say Arizona, like those other two places, it's really hot, which I like the heat. Now, it's going to be 115 degrees here sometimes in the summer. Now, in those two places, very, very humid. Um. It just, it just depends what you like. I think you're going to have much more people from the Northeast in places in Florida, right? So I don't know where you're from, but if you're a Northeast, you know, even Midwest guy, maybe that's more your vibe. Arizona is much more of a West Coast vibe, which I like being a West Coast guy, but has way less taxes. And even while it's booming here, it's still way more affordable than like LA or San Francisco. Uh, if you like golf, this is a good area. So I don't know. I mean, for me, I'd rank it. I would go Scottsdale, then I'd go Florida, then I'd go Austin. But that's just me. Moving, it, it it's crazy what moving does for you. And I, I don't recommend move just to move. But if you're thinking about it and you can do it, whether, you know, you're, you can change a job, you know, you can pick up and move your family. Obviously, we all have a lot of different variables in our life with children, with whatever. So it's not... It was, I, I, I could work from wherever, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, don't have children, I'm not divorced, you know, I have split custody. We all got different things, have a, you know, family business. It's not easy to do. If you can do it and you are thinking about it, I do highly recommend it because it, it really is, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it. It just gets some more just juice back into your life. It it's I saw this clip of Aaron Rodgers today. The Jets, I mean, tweet out and Instagram out more clips of Aaron Rodgers at OTAs, and it's pretty amazing, right? The Packers gave him 150 million dollars last year, and he still wouldn't be uh, inconvenienced to show up. Goes to the Jets. He is having the time of his life, and I do understand it, man. I I think sometimes change of scenery, if if you kind of feel it in your gut. Now, if you don't feel it and things are going well, I don't don't just do it to do it. But if you're thinking it and you can do it, it's a powerful thing. Shit works, man. And I, you can see it in his face. Now, is that going to translate to a Super Bowl? I'm not saying that. I'm telling you, I, th- I think they're going to be successful. Because I think he's going to be just so energized, so reinvigorated. I want to know if you think that the Washington can become the new Jets, Bucks, or Broncos, hopefully not, and be the team that just needs a quarterback. Especially now that Snyder sold. I saw that it's not official yet. And there was a clip going viral on the internet of Jerry Jones at the owners' meetings talking to Snyder's lawyer. You know Jerry's trying to get this deal done and get Snyder out of there. We have McLaurin, Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and a good defense. There aren't many holes in our roster, and I think they will uh, all fire and think they will fire Ron for enemy. Yes, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far because let's just say you have an underwhelming year, but the offense looks good. I, I don't think, you know, new owner, 
he's going to hire whoever he wants to hire. And most new owners go after big names. Look at the Broncos. One down year, boom, $18 million a year. What did you know Harris do whenever he was with the Sixers? They're always going after big names. Doc Rivers, Daryl Morey, James Harden. Like new owners, new owners with money, I mean, they swing big. So to me, Eric Bieniemy, if Ron Rivera gets fired, that means it's probably pretty ugly. Now, I, the one thing for Bieniemy, if Sam Howell looks good, who knows? What if Sam Howell is just solid? Right? We, we saw Brock Purdy be good. We've seen guys over the years, mid-round picks, have success. From Russell Wilson to Dak Prescott to Kirk Cousins. So just because you're not a first-round pick does not mean you can't be a high-end starting quarterback. One difficult uphill battle they have, division's good, right? The Cowboys and Eagles are really, really good. And the Giants, I mean, their coach is good. At least he proved one year to be really solid. Now, you could argue just guy for guy, the roster's... Washington would have an argument. Like, if you put Daniel Jones on Washington and just gave the Giants no quarterback, you know, I think you would immediately take the commanders over the Giants. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I think anytime, though, you get a new owner, it's very, very hard to assume what will happen. If things get ugly, if things go well, everything's always on the table. Because... I mean, even though money's all relative, when you pay five, six billion dollars for a team, you're going to want to make your own decisions. Hell, you might even like Ron Rivera, the guy, and he might make the... Ron Rivera could make the playoffs this year, get KO'd in the first round, and still get fired. And just simply like, I want to hire my own coach. Because think about this. Let's say me and you were partners, and we just bought the Washington Commanders, and we pulled together our six and a half, seven billion dollars. Do you think we're just like, yeah, let's just see how it goes. Just Or we're going to want to hire the coach we're going to want to hire. What if I came in like, I want to hire Lincoln Riley, right? I want to hire whoever. You're just going to want to hire your own coach. Okay, last one. Here's one for the mailbag from my work account. I'm a Colts fan from Germany. The Colts had the fourth pick in the draft and the Colts wanted Anthony Richardson. The thing was, a quarterback needy team could have made a trade with the Cardinals at three, and scooped up Anthony Richardson. The trade happened, but it was the Texans, so nothing bad happened for the Colts. My question for the mailbag is, I thought that Ballard, the Colts GM, would have asked the Cardinals GM to call him once a trade with a quarterback-needy team was more or less imminent, and the Colts would top that offer. Is something like that possible, or does the team with the earlier pick that does not care about something like that? Thanks, greetings from Germany. Well, I think if you are the Cardinals, you're completely indifferent to who trades for him, right? So you would 100% tell Ballard, listen, if someone is going to trade for this pick, we have no problem coming back to you. It's like an offer for a home, right? It's like, hey, we got a $1 million offer on the table. We had you called earlier and offered us 980. Are you willing to pay 1.1? Or 1.05? So, of course, it would be in your best interest as the Cardinals to shop that pick around and see if you can get more. Now, like you said, the moment the Texans call, you know they're not going to take quarterbacks back-to-back picks, so you might not even need to call Chris Ballard back. But if, you know, team, the Titans or whoever was calling and say, hey, Chris, this is the offer they're giving us, 
They're clearly going to come up. I don't know who they're going to take, but they're clearly going to take a quarterback. If you don't want them to take your guy, you got to give us, you know, 10% more than they're giving us or we're going to accept this trade. So, I, yeah, I think that happens all the time in these trades because it'd be stupid for the team that's pulling the trigger on trading back to not always shop offers around. Part of, now sometimes an offer, you know, like the Bears and the Panthers, you get to a point where the offer is so big, you're like, I, no one's paying this. Wait, you're going to give us two first rounders, DJ Moore, a third rounder? I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, we'll take it. So I think sometimes when that happens, uh, you just pull the trigger. But on some of these where it's like, hey, we'll give you a second and a third. Well, can I get a second and two threes? Can I get a second, third, and a fifth? You know, can I get, we'll give you a one and a two. Well, can I get a one and a two and next year's two? So 100%, I think you're always shopping around. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great week. Appreciate my guy Holst on the audio. James on the video. And all the people at the volume crushing it. Watching the Lakers lose. I'm actually recording this before the Laker game, but, you know, they'll probably lose. And uh, for you Laker fans, hell, pretty good run. Sucks getting swept. Adios. Talk soon. See ya. volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.